Hi, and welcome to the Tomato Timer, a podcast about learning to learn. I'm Zubair from Xenos, and I'm tuning in live with experts from around the world, asking your questions and hearing their stories. All before the timer goes off. 24 minutes and 39 seconds to go. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 29 of the Tomato Timer. And joining us today is an award-winning actor, director, and now leading an educational startup, Aidan Whitehawk. Thank you so much for joining us, Aidan. How are you? My pleasure, Zabir. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good. Very well. Happily kind of enjoying lockdown, kind of. <laughs> yeah, Heatwave is good. Heatwave is good. London's not built for it, but it is good. <laughs> Absolutely. I think uh, I'm dying without like the air conditioning and fan sort of systems that we probably have when we're in places like when, where I was growing up where it was Saudi, so we needed to have those kind of things. Very um, sensible planning for the heat. Yes. <laughs> I don't think the English ever thought of a day when they'd have to plan for heat management. I don't think so. So, Aiden, yeah. you're running an educational startup. Now, I want to get into that. That's a huge shift, it seems like. Um, but before we get there, I want to start from the, right from the beginning. You know, you are doing something that, you know, many people imagine doing. And it's, it feels like such a, you know, holy grail kind of thing. It's like out there. You, you can't really become an actor. You know, it's, it's always something that you imagine people doing but never get to. Um, but you mentioned that right at the start in your, in your bio that you had a stammer. And you had a fear for the stage. How does that lead you? That's such a contrasting thing. How does that lead you to become an actor? It's a great question. Um, so I have two things to thank for this. Firstly, my dad, uh, he was a, a pilot. He started as an Air Force pilot and then became a commercial pilot. And he had a, a, a much rougher run of life uh, than I've had. And one of the big things he taught me growing up was if it scares you, do it. So scariest thing in the world for me uh, as a kid with a stammer was to be speaking in front of other people or speaking in public, mm. put a hand up a class, standing in front of people. So it came a day where I was at school and they were doing the uh, school play. So I went, all right, this terrifies me. Let me go do it. I put my hand up and said, I would very much like to be a part of this. Have you got something with maybe one line? <laughs> and I got the role. And great, fantastic. And I spent, I think it was two or three months rehearsing my one line. And the line was, yes. It's over there. <laughs> That's a heavy line. Wow. So, and uh, I remember this vividly when I finally did walk onto stage and I could hear the audience and I was absolutely breaking it. And I walked onto stage and the thing is my line, yes, it's over there, was the punchline for this joke. So I got up, did the line and the audience started laughing. And the first thing that my body told me was, oh, they're laughing at me. But then I realized mm. they were laughing with me. And it was such a wonderful high. I thought, all right, this can be done. It's not as scary as I thought it was. And I went from there. Amazing. That's, <laughs> you know, weirdly, I had um, un unplanned. Uh, I ended up being selected or not even selected. I, My parents signed me up for a play thinking they were buying me tickets to see the play. And actually, I ended up being the Mowgli character in a Jungle Book play right when I was in year three. I Mowgli, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, so I actually had no lines. I was, I was just supposed to be acting because I, I was a child version. Um, but yeah, it was a, a completely weird, unplanned experience because I, I was thinking I was going to go out and buy tickets. So I had money in my envelope and my parents had signed the other form, which included me to be in the play as well. So <laughs> yeah, really? weird. Um, so cool. Now you've, you've got your first taste of, of, being adored by the stage, um, but being adored by the fans. Um, you then went on to study entrepreneurship at uni. Now, I, it's starting to get a bit more of traction right now, but that wasn't very popular as a degree back when you did it. Um, 
how was that? How did it feel like? Why did you go there? Fair point. So first thing that happened was uh, my parents said, oh, so you want to be an actor? Great. That's uh, lovely. How about you get a degree in something and then you can go and do acting? Mm. I thought, well, fair enough. They were just uh, protecting me. So hence I didn't study acting. So I actually did social anthropology and environmental science at the University of Cape Town. And I did an undergraduate in that. And by the end of that, I realized that I was totally unemployable. <laughs> so I then segued into the business faculty and did a postgraduate in entrepreneurship. You're right. Mm. There wasn't a full degree in entrepreneurship that the university offered uh, because you're right. It just wasn't a very popular thing back then. Back then, it just sound like I'm 55. Unfortunately. <laughs> so I did the, the, the post-grad, which was a great experience. It was basically a mini MBA. So it was mm. the first year of the two-year university MBA program. Great. Did it. Fantastic. Really great experience. And the bug definitely bit. Because uh, I, I mean, entrepreneurship has been something I've always been interested in. And I mm -hmm. started my first business when I was 13. What was that, if you don't mind us asking? I will gladly share. It sounds so fancy. Started my first business when I was 13. No, I didn't. I was buying Oakley sunglasses in Singapore, smuggling them into England where I was at boarding school and selling them to my fellow schoolboys. <laughs> that was my business. Amazing. And it was great. And it made cash. At that point, Oakley sunglasses weren't globally regulated on the pricing front. So I started with that. Then I segued to uh, Denon Stereos, and I started bringing that in. Uh, the interesting thing is nobody checks a, a 14 year old at mm -hmm. systems. So, you know, lessons, life lessons there. <laughs> so that's how I ended up in entrepreneurship. Yeah. And then, so, so you've got your degree now, you've not just an undergraduate undergraduate, but you've also done your postgrad. Uh, I think you've satisfied your parents, um, requirements of getting a degree. Um, yes. what, what happens next? How do you break into the acting world? Uh, I then fell victim to the allure of a corporate salary. So I actually became a beer salesman. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I, I was the, uh, the Peroni beer ambassador for the Western Cape in South Africa. So I had to go around selling beer, which is really fun, but uh, very unfulfilling. So at the end of it, I said, look, what, if I get to my deathbed, what is it going to, what will be my biggest regret? And the answer was acting. So I thought, all right. So I went back into acting, did a short course in it, and just started doing little things. My first role was as an extra on uh, Nicolas Cage's Lord of War. <laughs> if you remember that movie. Uh, great film. Uh, and, yeah, the bug bit. It just went from there. It just went from there. I started going to as many castings as I could. Did a play, which finally got me an agent. That really helped. And then just started working my way project to projects and the roles got bigger and bigger and more challenging and more fun cool and so what about how does it feel like um kind of like as an actor what what are the to to someone who's who's never seen and who's never been close to that kind of industry how would you exp explain kind of the experience of being an actor firstly it's the hardest job i've ever done and the reason for that is that there's a huge amount of debt of not doubt that uh uncertainty in that I, I don't know when the next project will come, where it will come from, what will lead to it. It's, it's very difficult to plan for that. There's not like, okay, well, if I do 18 months in this role, then I've got the accreditation that I need to jump to the next step. It doesn't really work like that. So the first thing is um, growing a very thick skin, learning to take no as an answer or learning to not even get an answer. That is a big deal around the world of acting. But when it comes to being on set and when, when they call action, 
something happens, and this is why actors do it, is there's a, there's a shift that happens in that moment. And what I'm going to liken it to is, um, have you heard of a book called The Power of Now? No, I haven't. It's by an author called Eckhart Tolle. Tolle. Uh, he wrote uh, New Earth and uh, The Power of Now. His argument is basically that the only thing that matters in life is, is now. It is this particular moment in time. Mm -hmm. Life is now. Past and future don't really exist. They're just concepts. The only thing that it constitutes life and living is being in the now. And acting is very much that. Meditation is the same thing. The argument on meditation is you want to be present, you want to be breathing. It's the same deal. So all that acting does is it just ramps up the now because the cameras are rolling. There's something to happen. It's a performance. A lot of money is being spent to create this story, and it is incredibly satisfying. Nothing else matters in that moment when the cameras start rolling and they call action. And the preparation is there, and it's either I'm either going to do this or I'm not. <laughs> it's a very satisfying feeling. Yeah. And there's an even more kind of intense version of this, what you did um, at that 48-hour challenge of, of directing, coming up and producing a full-blown film. Um, how does that work? It sounds crazy because, you know, we, we tend to like hear about the next movies coming out in about a year or two years or three years time. And you realize there's like hundreds of like days and hours of spent just on like post-production. So how do you even get to something that's a full-blown film or, a, you know, in 48 hours? So... The 48-hour film project is a global thing. Uh, happens in multiple cities around the world. And mm -hmm. essentially what happens is film crews meet at 7 p.m. on a Friday, and they all get given a line of dialogue, a prop, a character, and a genre. 48 hours later, you have to write, shoot, and deliver your final film, which is up to seven minutes long, four to seven minutes. So it's basically filmmaking as a sport. It's hugely pressurized. Nobody sleeps, so it's 48 hours of straight work. It is absolutely doable. And it's a really, really fun experiment because what often happens in the world of filmmaking and acting is people procrastinate. Mm -hmm. And that is that creatives can relate to. And also, I mean, students can also relate to that in terms of I'm going to put off revising until the very last moments and then I'm yeah. going to cram it all in. It's the same deal. So what's quite nice about the 48-hour film projects is it says, look, I'm only going to give you 48 hours. Mm -hmm. You can't procrastinate. You have to get this done. And it's amazing to see what a person is capable of through teamwork is a huge mm -hmm. thing you can't do by yourself. Um, collaboration and just digging in and going, what can I do in 48 hours? There is no doubt. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful feeling to not doubt yourself, your idea or your team. Mm -hmm. And that is a very valuable lesson that I've, I've pulled through into uh, my businesses and entrepreneurship. Yeah. It almost sounds like a, a super, super accelerated startup, you know, going from, you know, the ideation to testing to production to to having that team behind you to even having some sort of financing to support you. Um, it's like starting from scratch and building a startup in 48 hours, kind of. It absolutely is. It's a really uh, good analogy that, I mean, anybody who wants to get into the startup space I have already thought about this, but it's actually a really good idea. Do the 48-hour film project mm. because you've only got 48 hours. You can't work on it beyond the 48-hour mark. It's done. It, that's it. Yeah. Lessons learned. And you're right. I mean, if, if we're liking uh, a startup to a film, the first thing you do is you have an idea. All right, so what is the story? Great. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then you write a business plan. What is the script? 
Then you put together your heads of department and your key personnel. What are you, your cast and your crew? Then you got to find finance. You can pay for all the gear, pay for the locations, the actors, etc. Then you got to go. Great. Now we're going to do the beta test. We're going to start shooting. We're going to get all that data back. Now we go. All right. Great. Now what do we do with it? Now we got to go into the edits and we've got to turn that into a working product, the MVP. Mm-hmm. Then we refine that edits. And now we've got an actual working, sellable, monetizable product. You put it out, <laughs> and see what the audience does. I love that yeah. analogy. Yeah, amazing. Now, so you've gone through this acting career. Now, there's there's something else happening as you did this as well, right? There's um, synapses connecting, and you're you're brainstorming and getting this another, I guess, an, another analogy or another kind of uh, mirrored aspect of things where you were you're realizing that you're acting and you're you know you're doing all this great stuff, but you also realize there's a there's a whole bunch of learning you were doing you were learning lines you were having to memorize stuff um and it related stuff back to education where was where did that where did that kind of like aha moment come for you when you realized that what i've been doing is actually a very powerful educational tool as well sure all right so so what happened was uh the ed tech that i i now run is called sharpen and mm-hmm. it's what sharpen is sharpen is the future of note taking and what it does is the problem Sharpen is solving is that research shows that when we walk out of a lesson, we remember 5 to 10% of it. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's outrageous. That, that's just archaic. There's got to be something in this world of modern tech that we can do to improve that number. Yeah. And the, the reason for improving retention is obvious. Better retention, more confidence, better results, better pass marks, et cetera. It just, it just helps. It's overall beneficial. So Sharpen uses technology to help you create smart notes that helps you ultimately remember more. That's what we're doing. The genesis of the idea came from this. I was learning uh, lines for a show, and the director phoned me up the day before I was shooting. And he said, look, Aiden, we've rewritten the scene. Uh, you're going to have to relearn <laughs> the pieces of dialogue in a completely different way. And I thought, yes, I don't know. <laughs> all right, great. So I sat there on my couch and went, okay, calm down. Firstly, just calm down. It's okay. It's all right. We're not saving lives here. It's fine. Take the pressure down a little bit. That was the first thing. Second thing was going, all right, how do I ingest 10 pages of information quickly? Now, through acting and through acting coaches, I've learned a bunch of techniques. That means I can get 10 pages off book ready to perform in about an hour. Wow. Which, that's not me being smart. That's just the, the, the methodology working, the technique working. Mm-hmm. And the argument is basically this. So if you have a look at how we stimulate ourselves when we're learning something, right? And if you tie this into a lecture experience when you're taking notes. So you're sitting in a lecture, there's somebody with more wisdom who's talking through concepts, ideas, and that is supported by visual support material, audio support material. We sit there diligently listening, listening, absorbing, ingesting, and we take notes. Cool. What we walk out of is what we walk out of the lecture with is the memory mm-hmm. and what we put down. That's it. But if you have a look at the stimuli, it's what we're seeing, hearing, listening to, reading, and discussing. But all we're pulling out is just that one element. But surely when it comes to revising, if we stimulate multiple senses, we're going to remember more. And that is how we do it in acting. So what we do is this. And it leads to the points of finding truth in a point that becomes understandable for me. And in doing that, I create my own story and understanding of a concept. What I mean by that is this. Let's say that we take 10 pages of dialogue. What I would do is I would read through it once, just once. Then I hand it over to a colleague, and then we read it again. But I'm not reading it this time. 
what we'll do is we'll go through each line. I will try and get my line right. Realistic, maybe 20% right. Maybe. But here's what we do. We don't move on until I have understood what I'm saying. It's not about memorizing the line. It's about understanding the line. So what that looks like is we'll do a scene. You'll say something. I have a three-line three line sentence in response for argument's sake. I'll try and get that line right. I'm going to get it wrong. You'll then tell me that line word for word, and I'll sit there and just think about it. Going, what does this actually mean? What, yeah. what is my understanding of this? And once I give that line back to you in a way that you believe it, it means it's become truthful. So we do this about it. It's very slow. It's very labored. But by the time we get to the end of the 10 pages and we read through it a second time, I'm 80% off book. And then the third, fourth, and fifth time gets me from 80 to 99, 100%. Yeah. So it boils down to that. So re-stimulating those senses in pursuit of creating truth. It seems like you're... Because there's this kind of... Um, very common for, for me uh, when I was studying for exams is that we get stuck trying to memorize the prose and the structure of a sentence and more about, you know, not actually the actual the concept behind it, but just how is it written down in those three lines. Um, obviously, as an actor, you need to get that perfectly. But in most cases for students, we need to understand. And if we can even rephrase it, if we capture that understanding uh, in any possible way and then reproduce it in our final exams, We've we've done it right. Yes, there are like intricacies, and you need to not miss out keywords, and you need to not miss out key concepts. But it seems like the, this this idea that you're kind of uh, sharing with us is more like take this sentence and make sure you believe it. Make sure it as as uh, quoting you, um, make it the truth. Make it your truth. And as soon as you do that, you've you've stripped away the you know the textbook writer who's written it out in a certain way, but actually made it. You know, stick in your head. Um, we talked about this in our in our previous or a couple of weeks ago um, in that book, Make It Stick, that Ali was mentioning. Um, and it seems like the same ideas, ideas of active recall and and spaced uh, spaced repetition. Absolutely, yeah. So that's essentially what what Sharp is doing is what what you're speaking about is peer to peer revision, mm -hmm. which is this. So what Sharpen does is. If you're watching a lesson online, every time you take a note with Sharpen, you're not just taking a note, you're time stamping that note to the point in the lesson. Yeah. So every time you take a note, it captures what you're writing, what you were seeing, what you were hearing, and there's the phones. So you're capturing what was also being discussed. Yeah. Now within that framework, what it then lets you do is get into discussion with your peers. So to your points around turning it into truth, what then happens is this. You get students talking to each other. So let's say it's you and I. We've just been through a, a lecture. Lecture then says, all right, Aiden, teach Zubair what I've just taught you. I tell it to you in my own words. Yeah. You spin it around. You do the same thing back to me. In doing that, we're creating our own story. And in doing that, our attention goes up to 80%. So that's what Sharpen's basically looking to do is mm -hmm. how do you create this peer-to-peer -peer revised with you? Other. Yeah. And t talk to me about the power of asking questions. Um, because there's one aspect of, of what uh, Sharpen is trying to do is, is cause or, or, or create an activity or an, or an engagement during the, the, the lecture to be asking questions at those certain 
points of the lecture, you know, um, why is that such an important way of studying and revising as well? Sure. So just on the, the functionality side, so people understand, well, how Sharpen does that. Yeah. One of the ways that you can take note is you can add an action item to a note in real time. So rather than you just writing a note in a journal or in Word or in OneNote, you can yeah. add action items. So you can add a point to saying, okay, this is a, a point that needs clarification or this is a to-do. If you post it as a question, what happens is everyone's note feed while on the Sharpen uh, lecture gets that question that it posts up. And the idea is this. Either the lecturer can then respond going, great, thank you for flagging this question, let me clarify. Or one of the peers can jump in and go, guy, don't worry, I understand this, here's the explanation, or here's a link to a video that explains it really well. And in doing that, it comes back to this idea of peer-to-peer -peer connection. You ask a question, the first thing that you're doing is you're acknowledging something that you don't know. So we tie that back to acting. Every time that I work on a project, I spend a long time with the director and the writer saying, look, let me understand this. I have questions around why somebody's doing something. Same thing. You can translate that to almost any academic field. Why does this work the way that it works? Mm -hmm. In my head, it shouldn't work. It does work. So what am I thinking about in my head that is incorrect? How do I rewire that? So that's the process of any actor is to question the character, is to question the script and understand what the motivation is. So that's the first thing. When it comes to the question, that's the same deal. If you put your hand up, one, you're acknowledging something you don't understand. So you're identifying a problem. Great. Okay. Let's now drill in on that. And you're asking for help in real time. And you're asking help from people who are either struggling with the same thing. So you're just taking joint brain power to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Or you're getting expert advice, your teacher, your lecturer, in real time. That makes a lot of sense. I'm just trying to kind of... Okay condense it and make it make it kind of like part of my own truth i i, I really love this this concept and i'm like it's my kind of key takeaway definitely that make it your truth because it's it's not just applicable to studying and revising it's not just applicable to acting it's applicable to pretty much everything we do in our lives um if we need to understand something unless our brain uh makes that conceptual abstract journey and fits all those pieces together and it makes sense in our head it's always a matter of, you know, trying to put a fact in and like kind of like, for me, the visualization is like trying to put two jigsaw pieces together, which aren't meant to go together. It just doesn't fit. Um, and what you're saying is, you know, unless you actually spend time and turn that, you know, abstract concept into something that makes sense, whatever, based on whatever experiences you've had, whatever you've been doing, you know, whatever degree you're doing, whatever subject it is, or whether it's not an academic thing or or it is, um, it's about making it your, your own kind of explanation and when you do that i think it's just like this that's a leaps and bounds worth of um jumping in, in in where you will be able to retain and kind of reproduce that content as well infinitely so mm. somebody asks you to explain an idea you have to understand what you're saying before you do it yeah that's what it exactly. is exactly so aiden um love that love absolutely love what you've kind of taken your whole kind of acting career and all your experiences um, taken your degree, which was on entrepreneurship, and you've, you know, a couple of years later, you've taken all that and started to, you know, assimilate it into an uh, into a tool that students can use globally. And we're really excited to hear about it. Um, is there some sort of way we can kind of find out a little bit more about what you're doing, or kind of engage with it? 
Sure. So Sharpen is a very early stages. So we are going into our beta testing next month. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anybody is interested in playing with Sharpen and wants to get involved in the, uh, the beta, we are looking for people. We're open to individuals. Uh, you can drop me an email. Cool. Which is very simple. It's Aiden, A-I-D-A-N, at sharpen-app.com. Perfect. We will keep that in our show notes as well so that people can easily get access to it. Um, and that brings us pretty much to the end of the episode because, you know, 25 minutes, uh, we have a deadline as well. <laughs> um, so final question. Um, from your perspective, now as an actor, when you sit down and watch movies, how is it different for you, um, whether it's your own or, or some other movie? What, what goes through your head instead of ours? All right, fair enough. So uh, do you know the show Homeland? Yeah. All right, so I did Homeland season four, and uh, that, that was shot in my hometown of Cape Town. <laughs> and when I watched it, I couldn't submerse myself in the story because I couldn't suspend my disbelief, which is the most important part of any director's job. The first thing they've got to do is to get an audience member to suspend their disbelief so that they believe they're watching kids flying around on broomsticks, Yeah, for example. Uh, the problem is when I've worked on a project uh, and I see a location that I've been to socially mm-hmm. or been to in my own life, it doesn't work. So, example, there's a scene in uh, Cape Town that's doubling for Islamabad. And I sit there going, ah, uh-uh. there's a coffee shop on that corner that I go to <laughs> in Cape Town. They do a great flat white. And then 30 seconds later, there's a chase sequence and they're going left, right, left, right. And I'm like, ah, uh-uh, I've driven that road. You can't go that way. It's a one way for example. So it's quite hard for me to spend my uh, disbelief. The other thing, <laughs> when, if you take something like 1917, which is an amazing movie, technically it's an amazing film, I end up watching technicalities of how they made the movie. How did they move the camera? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I... It's weird. In the technicality of it. Yeah. It's like seeing through a different pair of eyes, you know, you just, it's like kind of the Iron Man thing. You, and then you also see like different things. Oh, there's the lighting. There's a camera. Where's the where's that other frame? How's that being shot? Where's the light coming from? Uh, do I see a little dangling wire, which uh, <laughs> is kind of yep. ruining the whole shot? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Amazing. That was that was so cool. I we I'm I'm sure people are are um, really impressed by your journey. But not only that, but like thank you for taking the time to then transform what you've done and all your experiences into something that's applicable to us as students. Um, So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This has been great. And hats off to you and everything that you're doing. It's it's really impressive. Thank Thank you. you. It's it's an amazing community we have behind us. So that's it for today. And we will join you again next week. So bye. And that's another episode of the Tomato Timer. If you'd like to ask your questions and join us live next week, join the Xenos Discord server. The invite link is in the description. And to learn more about Xenos and how a bunch of students are on a mission of making quality education accessible to all, go to xenos.org. Bye for now.